Welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. Are you searching for answered prayer and the abundant Christian life? This message from the Archbishop reveals the warning signs of a lukewarm believer and how to avoid the enemy's traps to limit our breakthrough. Discover how to start a revival fire in your spirit. Join the Archbishop for your divine turnaround at this year's Global Prayer Work Summit from the 19th to the 22nd of July in Connecticut. Register now at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word to revive your spirit. Be inspired as you listen. You know, when I look back to those days when we got born again and came to church and we always look forward to Friday all night. Friday all night, we, we wouldn't sleep. And as we came to church, we were so excited to be in that environment, to pray, to push, to stretch. Yeah, to push, to stretch. In those days, and so many of us on fire for God today, uh, products of the all nights of those days. Today, we don't see people excited about all nights again. Wednesday, Bible studies, we look forward to it. We were very excited about Wednesday, Bible studies. We came prepared to learn something, to improve on our work and relationship with God and our knowledge of God. We're committed to the home cells, and to all the activities in the church, in the house. We were involved in everything. We didn't question anything. We loved being part of the brethren. As times, weeks, years, and decades have passed, I'm beginning to see a decline when it comes to our commitment, our love for God, our love for the brethren, and our love to fellowship with the brethren, with one another, is declining. And so much is falling apart and it's not adding up nor making sense anymore. For the past 2,000 years, it's believed that the church has gone through different stages of the same state of the seven churches in the book of Revelation Jesus, our Lord, wrote to. Lift up your right hand and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Say, he's not just my Savior or my Deliverer, but he's Lord of my life and Lord of everything that concerns me. Say, Lord Jesus, I proclaim your Lordship. I declare you are Lord over me and everything that concerns me. You are Lord over my going out and coming in. Lord over the elements. Lord Jesus, you are Lord over all things. You are my Lord. You purchased me. You redeemed me by your blood. And I belong to you, Lord. You are my Lord. Put your hands together if you believe that. You know, even, even the way we clap in church these days speaks volumes. You know? When, in those days when the word of God is preached, 
We were excited about it. People came to church and they were excited. They sat in church, they were excited. The way they responded to the word. Today when you preach and you look at people sitting in the church, it's like they are not even here. You know, they, they, when you say clap, they, 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 they don't clap. When you say lift up your hands, they don't lift up their hands. I mean, people are just in church rebelling and cold as cold water. Have no zeal of the Lord, no love of the Lord, no, no fire for God and the things of God. Something is not adding up. There's a lot that is wrong. And as I began to look at the scriptures and meditate, uh, it is strongly believed that the state of the church today is the state that the seventh church, the last church, the seventh church in the book of Revelation, that we are in that same condition they were in. And when you look at the scriptures, it's very, very clear. If you look at certain signs of the behavior of the believer and the church, it's very clear that either we have entered or we are entering the last days. And there are some signs that makes it very clear of where we are and what's going on with the believer. And these are not signs we should ignore because they affect us. And as believers, we must rise to the occasion, make some changes, adjustments, and realize, like Jesus said, he said, he that overcomes, he that overcomes, I will not block, plug your name out of the book of life. He that overcomes. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about born again, Holy Spirit filled, blood bought and redeemed children of God. He said, after being born again, you need to overcome so that your name is not plugged out of the book of life. Then Jesus said again in Matthew 24, he said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. So it's not enough to be saved. You must endure to the end to be saved. It's, it, it's powerful. I want us to look at some of the signs of the end time. And then there's about 15 signs of a lukewarm Christian. And look at what qualifies or makes one a lukewarm believer. Because if we are not aware of these signs, it will be happening and yet we'll we, we are ignorant of it and I don't want us to be ignorant of these signs. We need to be very clear and aware of them. So please come with me to Matthew 24 and the 12 verse where he said, Because iniquity, lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Underline the word cold. The love of many shall wax cold. It's one of the first signs that we have. We are in the end time or in the last days. Second Timothy. Three, one to two. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Let's stretch it to four. One to four, thank you. For men will be lovers of themselves. Perilous times shall come. Difficult times, challenging times. And I believe that whoever you are, wherever you are, as never before, you will agree with me that we are truly in the end times these are perilous times, challenging times, but look at some of the signs that indicates that we are in the last days or end times. Go ahead. The New King James says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of self, that word self, self is, is a big thing. 
It's a big thing in the times we find ourselves in. Lovers of selves. Lovers of selves. Lovers of money. The second thing is lovers of money. Today, self and money is what drives societies of our world. It is said that after the pandemic, um, over 500 new billionaires were added to the billionaires of the world before the pandemic. That people were making money and becoming billionaires at the time when so many were dying and perishing, many became billionaires at the expense of the sufferings of the masses. How that happened, I don't know. But that is the world we live in today. That money is what drives societies. Money matters than anything else. Today, godly character and value and relationship don't matter anymore. It's about money. Have money. Get money. Don't worry about the consequence or the implications of how you get the money. Just get it. When you get it, people will love you. You have attention, acceptance, relevance. You become important in life and in society. Everybody will praise you and everybody will become your friend and celebrate you because you have what drives society. Whether you kill, lie, steal, broke the rules to get it, it doesn't matter. Just get it. That is what drives our world today. Selfish living. Selfishness. Love for self at the expense of others. Having no care and concern for anyone and anything but self and money. Is what drives our society today. So many people live only for money. Our whole existence is driven and influenced by nothing else but money. Money has become a god that controls and influences and determines the lifestyle and the existence of humanity today. Please go ahead. Boasters. People boast. And you see what people boast of. The Bible said, let him that boast, boast of this one thing, that he knows I, the Lord, who execute judgment, righteousness, and justice on the earth. So the people are not boasting of their relationship with God. I remember when we got born again, one of the things that excited me the most, and I wanted to get close to the fathers of the faith in those times and in those days was not about their monies or private jets or the numbers or the mega churches they had but their spirituality the presence of God the anointing of God the gift of almighty God the experience of God their knowledge of God their work with God and whenever I met them I asked spiritual questions and needed understanding and clarity about my own relationship and work with God it was it has nothing to do with the numbers they had or the money or the building or the possessions, there was something about them that attracted me to them that had nothing to do with their physical status. I remember I spent some time with my grandfather in the faith, Dr. T.L. Osborne, and I went to his office and then he took me to his house. He didn't have any huge church or mega church, but he had impacted the whole world. He wasn't on TBN. He didn't have any television ministry. He wasn't on social media, but when you were in his presence, 
you could feel the presence of Almighty God. There was something unique about these guys. Something precious. Something that impacted your life that by the time you've, you leave their presence, you want more of Jesus. You want more of Jesus. You want more of God. I had opportunity to spend time with Dr. Lesra Samron twice when he came to Ghana and flew with him to Amsterdam. And people like Ora Roberts came to my house. I have a picture. I think one of these days they should show, put the picture on the screen where I was serving him food in my house. Dr. Ora Roberts and, and, and so many others. These are, were great men. Ora Roberts had no church. He didn't have buildings. He built an university. He stayed faithful to his calling and vision to the end. And there was something about these people and these men that was so unique. And it wasn't about numbers like today. It wasn't about building. It wasn't about books. It wasn't about all the things we admire today and we celebrate people for. There was something that was beautiful. It touched you. By the time you leave their presence, you are crying. You are convicted. You want more of God. You want to be like Jesus. Today, it's about numbers. It's about material things. It's about what you have. What you have attained. What you have achieved. You don't see the presence anymore. Something is just lacking. Something is missing. Our priorities have changed. Oh, that God will remember us one more time and revive us one more time and, and, and help us to change our thinking and get our priorities right. I was preaching somewhere last Sunday and I was talking about setting our priorities right. And I said, as a believer, your first priority when you wake up in the morning is your relationship with God. He's the source of our life. And that's what David said the other day. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies and even my foes come up to eat of my flesh, they stumble, they fall. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Today, money and self and pleasure is the light and the salvation of so many believers. Something is off. And I said, God is your first priority. Second, family. Third, your health. Fourth, business. And the last, fifth, is money. Today we've turned it around. Money is first. Before God and family and health. But money is the last. Because money is a weapon. It's a tool. It's a vehicle that God has given to you and I. To fulfill his purpose for all of our lives. Purpose of money is not just to pay bills and to buy clothing and to chill or to have fun or pleasure. It's more than that. God created a silver and the gold to serve his purpose. To serve his purpose. For all things work together for the good of them that love God irrespective and are called according to his purpose. It's about his purpose and he's loving him irrespective no matter what. Do you love him? No matter what. Do you love him? Like the three Hebrew young men say, our God is able to deliver and even if he chooses not to deliver, we will still not compromise our conviction and knowledge of God for acceptance, for relevance, 
for recognition or for attention. Please go ahead. Proud. Proud. Very, very proud believers today. Haughty people. Hurt about everything. Offended about everything. Complain about everything. No sign of humility. No compassion. We deal with people based on where we think we stand in society, what we have and what we have acquired and achieved. Don't you know who I am? How dare you address and talk to me this way? We deal with people based on our achievement, who we think we are. We despise, look down on others. There's no compassion. There's no humility among us anymore. And these are some of the signs of the end time. Go ahead. Blasphemous, mm -hmm. disobedient to parents. That is a great one. But that is very clear that the challenge of the youth, the children of today's generation, is very clear that we live in the end time. Disobedience to parents is a, is a strong thing. It's a big thing in our society today, in the Christian community. There isn't much you can do about it. You just have to keep praying and believe in God to convict them. To bring them to themselves like the prodigal son. You got to do that. Because they are in a stage in their life where they are controlled by passion. And today we have the internet, social media generation. That's who they are. And they are driven like Solomon. If you look at the songs of Solomon, was the first book Solomon wrote. And it was all about passion. It was all about passion and it was all about pleasure and passion and pleasure and self. Then the second book he wrote was the book of Proverbs. If you look at Proverbs, he had, he had at this point come of age and he was seeing things differently from the way he saw it when he started writing the songs of Solomon. Then getting to the latter part of his days and years on earth, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you look at it classic, he began to say things like, all is vanity. All is vanity. And he said that the most important thing in the life of a person is, is fear God and do his commandment. And he began to say different things from songs of Solomon and from Proverbs. Because at this time, he had come of age. He was in the latter times of his life. He saw differently. And how I pray that we won't wait until that point of saying all is vanity, but we'll catch it right now. Go ahead. Unthankful. Unthankful. Ingratitude. Ingratitude is a big thing today in families. Kids don't know how to say thank you to parents anymore. Husbands don't know how to say thank you anymore when our wives cook a good meal. And wives don't know how to say thank you when a good man provides and takes care of the family. Familiarity has become a big issue. But the underlining factor of all of this attitude of familiarity is ingratitude. That we don't know how to say thank you anymore. We take everything for granted. We have a sense of entitlement. We are short-sighted. And we have a very short memory. We don't remember. We don't say thank you anymore. We take everyone, everything for granted. Like Vashti. Vashti. Too much familiarity and forgot that she was a queen because of Ahasuerus. And she thought that because she was first lady, she can just misbehave 
and get free. And this time the counselors and the nobles around the king said, no, 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 king. You can't allow this to continue because if you let it go, our wives will do the same. So you have to discipline her right now. You got to take care of business and deal with this situation. But it was familiarity. Please never get to a place where you become familiar with God and with father, mother, or others. Learn to show gratitude. Learn to be thankful. Learn to say thank you. Have an attitude of gratitude. Please. It will take you far. Go ahead. Unholy. Unholy. Unloving. Unloving. There are people that it doesn't matter what you do. You just can't love them. Unloving people. You pour in and pour in and give and give and give and give and give and it's never enough. It's never, it doesn't matter how much you pour out of yourself and give to them. It's never enough. There is nothing you do that is enough for them. You're loving people. They can't receive love nor give love. And even if you die for them, they'll say, fool, who told you to die for me? They just don't care. They don't know what love is. And I've dealt with such. I've dealt with such. Especially people who didn't grow with the dad. They didn't have a love of a father. So they don't know what the love of a father is. And they can abuse the love of a father. Take for granted the love of a father. And they don't care. Because they don't know and understand the implication or the consequence of being deprived or denied of a love of a father because they never had it before. They never live with a father to appreciate the value of a father and the love of a father. So they'll go to any extent to hurt a father, damage a father. They don't care because they don't know what they are missing because they've never been used to it before. How I pray that you will not take for granted the love of a father and the love of a mother. Go ahead. If you are clapping, do it well. Your clap is very weak and very suspicious. Do it with some excitement and as one that loved God. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Unforgiving. Unforgiving. Can't forgive. They will remind you of the sins of your great-great-grandfather. You miss it, transgress, and make a mistake and they'll never let go. Every time they talk to you, They'll bring it up and they'll remind you. They'll remind you of what you've done wrong until the day they die. They never know how to forgive and to let go. Even God Almighty God, in Isaiah 43, 25, he said, I, even I am he who blot out your transgressions and I will not remember. God said, I can't remember. He's gone under the sea of forgetfulness. And if God can't remember your sins, why do you remind others of their sins? The Bible said, if you don't forgive the transgressions of others, neither will our Heavenly Father forgive you of yours. Please don't be a wife that is always reminding your husband of his mistakes and sin. And don't be a husband that is always telling your wife, do you remember what you did to me? I can never forgive you. You hurt me. You betrayed me. You offended me. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Even if God can forget, forgive and forget, how dare you keep bringing it up over and over and over and over again? Turn to somebody and say, what's wrong with you? Come on, tell them and put your hands together for Jesus. And if I say put your hands together, do it well.
Mediba. Nelson Mandela said the other day, after 27 years in prison, under the rulers, rulership, and oppression of apartheid, he said, I realize that I, as I stand at the door to my freedom, that if I don't leave behind my bitterness, my unforgiveness, and my offenses, I will walk through this door to freedom and I will still be in prison the rest of my life if I don't leave behind my unforgiveness, bitterness, and offenses. Please leave behind you. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting, learn to forget, learn to forgive, learn to let go. Forgiving is a command. It's, it's required. It's a demand of Almighty God of all of us. We are commanded to forgive no matter what was done to us. But he didn't say, trust them. I will forgive you, but whether to trust you or not, that is left to me. You must end my trust again. You got to work so hard to end my trust because I will forgive you. But whether I will trust you or not has everything to do with you. You got to show me some fruits of true repentance. Amen. But as for forgiveness, it is a demand. We got to forgive. Unforgiveness is so strong in the church. Go ahead. Slanderous, mm -hmm. without self-control. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you offend them, they'll break all the furniture in the house. They'll go to any extent to show you that, hey, who do you take me for? I will show you cayenne pepper. Hey, don't fool with me. Don't mess with me. I will show you. Listen, you don't know who I am. I will show you my other side. What kind of other side? <laughs> Lack of self-control. One of the fruits of the born-again spirit is self-control. Being able to have mastering over yourself. It's part of spiritual maturity and growth. Go ahead. Brutal, mm -hmm. despises of good. Yeah, they 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 tend they praise they praise evil and despise good or good people. They celebrate evil and call good evil and evil good. Go ahead. Traitors, mm -hmm. headstrong. Yes, sir. Haughty. Yes, sir. Lovers of pleasure mm -hmm. rather than lovers of God. Yeah, yeah. Lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Instead of coming to an all night on Friday, you rather go to the nightclub or a disco to chill, to hang. Pleasures of life. Pleasures of life than lovers of God. They will justify why they can't come to an all night prayer meeting or a Wednesday service. And, 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 Go do other things that gives them pleasure all about themselves than God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, thy might. That is not a priority for them. It's anything that gives them pleasure is what they go for and they go after. Go ahead. 
having the form of godliness but uh-huh. denying the, its power. They have the form of God. They have the language. They talk like believers. They know exactly what to say. They act and talk like they are one of us, but they are not. They have the form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. That where the power thereof, they lack the experience of being a believer. They don't have the experience. They don't have an encounter with God. But they act like us. They talk like us. They speak in tongues like us. They fake everything. And yet, they are not of us and they are not part of us. Amen. From such people, yeah. turn away. He said, turn away from people who have the form but don't have the experience. They like, they act like us. They talk like us. But they are not part of us. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. Lovers of pleasure. Turn to somebody and say, are you one of that? Are you one of that? Put your hands together, somebody. And let me feel you. Let me hear you. Let me feel you. Clap your hands like somebody who is not guilty. Who is not guilty. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Many, many, many signs. But these three signs stands up than all the others. Lovers of self, self-driven, self-motivated. Everything is about you, 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 you. People who live for themselves and don't live to impact and to touch others will never be remembered by posterity and history never treats them fairly because they never live for the benefit of anyone. It was about themselves, pleasure, and money is what drives them. Money is everything to them. Family don't matter. Siblings don't matter. Parents don't matter. Loved ones don't matter. It's all about money. They'll sacrifice anyone for money, for pleasure, and for self. Don't be that way. Please, don't be that way. You know, the founder of the Salvation Army had a strange revelation. And in the revelation, he saw so many believers in a sea, they were drowning. It was fierce. And nobody could save themselves. And after a while, a big rock appeared, came up in the water, and with a platform. And so, so many were able to swim to safety. And many of them were on the platform and on the rock whilst people were still drowning and couldn't help themselves. Suddenly Jesus came down, appeared from heaven and stepped into the water and began to rescue the people. And whilst he was rescuing them, he beckoned them and he asked those who have been able to come to safety to help him. To come back and help him to rescue those who were drowning and nobody will mind him and he was calling them come help me help me help me help me rescue help me save them and they were comfortable safe where they are and even praying the lord now that we've come to safety we need a breakthrough we need financial miracle we need car we need houses we need this and jesus said forget about all that just come help me to rescue these people Peter, in the book of Luke 5, toiled all night and got nothing. 
gave his boat to Jesus to preach the word. When Jesus finished using his boat to preach the word, he said, let down your net to the deep. And he got a breakthrough. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek after shall be added unto you. If we would just work with Jesus, if we would help Jesus to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, there is nothing he will not give to us. And there is nothing he will not do for us. He said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, said the Lord. The cattle on the thousand hills are mine. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all them that are therein is his. There is nothing he will not give to you and I. If we will help him reach the perishing and care for the dying, put your hands together. Are you clapping? I asked a young man who came to see me the other day and said, Papa, pray for me. I need a financial breakthrough. And I said, tell me why. Tell me why you need a financial breakthrough and what are you going to do with the money? So many people want money because they believe that if you have money, you have attention. You have relevance. You become important. You have recognition. But money has an expiry date. And if that is the reason for you seeking and wanting man, you got it all wrong. But I'm telling you, if you work with Jesus and help him care for the dying and rescue the perishing, there is nothing that you want and have need of that Jesus can give it to you and will not give it to you. There's nothing. I thought it was a good place to clap your hands. Yeah. It's a very good place to clap your hands and to thank God. That if you help Jesus and work with Jesus to care for the dying and rescue the perishing, there is nothing he will not give to you and do for you. It's a good place to clap your hands again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead. Okay, we are through with that. Come with me to the book of Revelation chapter 3. And the 14th verse to the 19th verse, we've talked about setting signs of the end time. Now, let's look at the signs, the signs of a lukewarm believer. A lukewarm believer and a lukewarm church. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. This is the seventh church, the last one. And it is believed that this is where the church and believers of today, this is exactly where we are. And look at why many has become lukewarm. Look at it. These things saith the Amen. Amen. The faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. He's faithful and true to whatever he says. Oh, the Hadith. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the beginning of all things. The creation. Go ahead. I know thy works. He said, he said, I know your works. I'm the true and the faithful witness and I know where you are. 
I know your motives, your works, what drives you, why you do what you do. I know you in and out. I know you more than you know yourself. I know your works. But thou art neither cold nor hot. He said, and I have a problem with you. He said, I have, I have a serious problem with you because you are not hot and you are not cold. Where do you belong? You don't belong anywhere. And I have a problem with that. Take a stand for something. So I know exactly how to deal with you. But you are not in and you are not out. You have one leg in and one out. Go ahead. I would thou wert cold or hot. He said, B, take a stand for something. Cold or hot. So I know how to deal with you. Because there are consequences for being cold and there are consequences for being hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, he said, you are lukewarm. And neither cold nor hot. You are not hot and you are not cold. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Hey, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Vomit you out of my mouth. Throw you out of my mouth. That's serious. And that is scary. Because thou sayest, mm -hmm. I am rich. So look at, look at why you are lukewarm. Look at the reason for being lukewarm. Number one, you say, I'm loaded. I'm a financial mogul. I have deep pockets. I can buy whatever I want and desire. I have all that I can ever think and imagine. I'm living pretty. Go ahead. And increased with goods. He said, I've increased. Everything I have is multiplied. Uh, I'm huge. I'm mega. I'm loaded. I got it all under my control. And have need of nothing. I don't need anything. And I don't need you. And I don't need anybody. I'm all by myself, self-sufficient and okay. I don't need to call anybody. I don't need to return anybody's call. I don't need to visit anybody. I don't need to relate to anybody. I'm just okay. I have a palace of my own. I live in my own realm. I'm self-sufficient. I'm just okay and good. I don't need you, no matter who you think you are. I'm just okay and fine. My God, somebody lift up your hands and say, Mercy, mercy, mercy. Come on, talk to me. Say, Mercy. Somebody scream, Mercy. Yes, sir. Mercy. And knowest not uh -huh. that thou art wretched. God said, God said, I am God and I know the end from the beginning. Let me define who you are. Let, let me tell you your true state. As I see you as almighty God, as your Lord, your master, as one that knoweth all things, let me define you. Let me show you the true picture of who you are and how I see you. It's different from how you see yourself and it's different from those who celebrate you and see you huge and big. It's different from how they see you. Somebody asked me the other day, how many uh, members do you have? I say, I don't know. How many churches do you have in Accra and worldwide? I say, I don't know. I don't know. Why do you want to know? You want to know how many churches I have? How many people come to my church? In order to, to, to determine how you relate to me? No, I don't know. I don't know. What makes me who I am is not the numbers or money or buildings or churches. What makes me who I am is who I am when I'm on my knees before God. Oh, Sadiqa Dahasa. Put your hands together, somebody, and give him praise. Don't 
define me by what I wear. Don't define me by what I wear or by what I have because the Bible says that a man's life does not consist by the abundance of things that he possesses. You can't define me and who I am and what I am by what I possess. For the life of a man is not defined or determined by possession. It is our knowledge of God, our responsibility, our relationship with him that defines who we truly are. Please go ahead. So thou art wretched. And God said, God said, you think, you said you are loaded, you are rich, you don't need anybody, you are all sufficient. God said, let me show you your true state. As I see you, you are wretched. Mm -hmm. And miserable. You are miserable. You are trying to, you are trying to, you are trying to do something about the void. Uh, you are trying to, you are trying to deal with the void. But all the things you are using, uh, whether it's sex or it's men or it's women or the pleasures of life or money or drinks or drugs, whatever. He said, none of those things can deal with that void you feel. I'm the only one that has the power to fill that void. He said, you are miserable. You are not happy. You are not, you are not, you are not happy. You tried everything. It's not working. God said, let me, let me deal with that void for you. For I'm the only one who has the power to address that void in your life. Somebody put your hands together and shout, mercy. I can't hear you. Shout it again. Mercy. Hey. Mercy. And poor. He said, he said, you think you are rich? You are poor. As long as I'm concerned, what you call riches is sinking sand. Come to me. I'll give you true riches. God said, my definition of riches is different from that of yours. What you call riches is sinking sand. It means nothing. You are poor. You are blind. And you are blind. You can't see. You're blind. You can't see. You are veiled. And naked. He said, you are blind. What you call riches, increase, success, achievement, it has blinded you, veiled you, and also made you naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, try it in the fire. Come buy of me gold, not just gold called gold, but gold that is tested and tried by fire. May we stand the test of time. May we never be victims or casualties. A layer two by the deception of this world. Oh, Kahadi Hasaya. Put your hands together and give him praise, somebody. You see, you can't even clap. You don't even know how to clap at all, so. Go ahead. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that uh, thou mayest be rich. That you might be rich. This is what we call true riches. Uh -huh. And white true riches. raiment. Uh -huh. Wine raiment. That thou mayest be clothed. That you might be clothed because you are naked. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Yes, sir. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, Maluha. that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I uh -huh. rebuke and chasten. I'm speaking to you because I love you. 
Be zealous therefore. Be zealous therefore. And repent. Be on fire. Repent. Repent. Be zealous. Let the zeal of the Lord eat you up. And he said, repent. Change your mind. Change your behavior. Turn around. Give up those habits. You know, one of my fathers was talking about a situation that happened years ago. He was preaching in a church in the 50s. And he said he was there for six weeks. And after some few weeks, a young evangelist came to preach. And the young man was so gifted that when he came to the service to minister, a revival broke forth. And everything turned around. And attendance, everything increased. And he said he knew that he was operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That it wasn't a mixed stream or a familiar spirit. But he knew that this was the Holy Spirit at work. But the day before the evangelist came to speak, he was driving in town and he saw him entering a place that he felt to him that the believer must not enter. So he had judged him in his heart. So when he came and saw him operating in the Holy Spirit and everything, he, he, he knew that this was God, but he had, he had a question. He said, Lord, I have some reservation. So he said that night he couldn't sleep. And he was so very disturbed in his spirit. And he said, Lord, how can you use a guy like that? And the Lord said, what is your problem? And he said, but I saw him. And the Lord said, yes, you did. But when he saw the sign, he wasn't from that city. He's a visitor. He came to that city. And when he saw the sign, he turned around. You just saw him going in, in that direction, but you didn't see him when he turned around. And then there was a, there's a lady in the church that had been in the church, born again for 60 years. And he said, Lord, before the Lord responded, he said, why, why don't you use that lady who has been born again for 60 years? Everybody likes her in the church. And the Lord said, okay, let me tell you something. That lady, born again for 60 years in the church, she's been in rebellion for over 40 years against me, the Lord. She's been in a state of rebellion for over 40 years against me, and she's in the church. That is spiritual sins. We only see the sins of the flesh, but there are serious sins, spiritual sins, arrogance, being critical of others, unforgiveness, being offended, holding back what belongs to the Lord and do him and his house. There are so many spiritual sins and rebellion. You're sitting in the church. You've made up your mind that it doesn't matter who preaches, even if Jesus shows up. Where you are standing is where you are standing. Where you are sitting is where you are sitting. Nothing can change you. Nothing can convict you. Your heart is hard. You are hardening a hard stubbornness. Sitting in the church. Over 40 years, rebelling against nobody but Adonai, Jehovah himself. Turn to somebody and say, are you in rebellion against God? Come on, ask them, are you in rebellion? You see, you can't even ask them. Because you are guilty. The Lord said, that woman you admire, and you think she's great, she's in rebellion against me, the Lord, over 40 years, sitting in the church. Clap your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Bevetu kalisa band de kanda vasu wandi kalan biata kunti kasiata iletondo kasan imanda kuwahala handi kimusaya ilei kidava hasan oh sidaluba tinda kidu atan kidu atan dalaya takuwalakan selamu tu kibalasiata give him a praise offering put your hands together are you clapping are you clapping? Amen. Let me give you some, some of the signs, some scriptures and some of the signs of lukewarm. There are about 15 or more signs of lukewarm. Number one, they do not have a consistent prayer life. Colossians, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says pray without ceasing. Uh -huh. Pray without ceasing. Have a consistent prayer life. Colossians 4, 2. Continue in prayer. Watch in the same. Watch in the same. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Have a consistent prayer life. One of the signs of lukewarmness is that you don't have a consistent prayer life. You pray every now and then. We are not consistent in your prayer life. It's a sign of lukewarmness. And it's in the church. And it's among believers. And it's all over us today. Number two. They do not read or meditate on the word of God. They don't have a consistent life when you come to studying the word. Joshua 1.8 For this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. They don't study the word consistently. They, they, they don't have grip on the word of God. The Bible says you err because you know not the scriptures and the power of God. It is knowing the scriptures that gives you power. That gives you access to his power. Do you study the scriptures? Do you know the scriptures? Do you make time for the word as you make time for food and to, uh, and to brush your teeth and to change and to shower and do all that? Do you make time for what matters the most? For thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Number three. They do not wait on God. For he that waits, or those that wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and run and not faint nor be weary. Today, generation does not wait on the Lord anymore. We are in haste. It's a microwave generation. Instant generation. We want everything right now. No patience. No time for God anymore. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. Paul said the other day, he said, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. I will wait. I will tarry until the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. We don't wait anymore. We are in haze. We want everything overnight. Oh, the Lakutuka Sadahan, 
Biaitu kuwasan kefalu wa hadiman Imala katu wundu kusu manda Afala katunku wa satan Stay up our spirit Revive us oh God one more time Revive us Stay up our spirit And stay up the gift of God that is within us To take all of you than ever before Let not the darkness that has come upon the nations Overshadow your people Let not darkness exact on your people nor override us Let the light of God shine Let your light shine Let your light shine oh God That darkness cannot comprehend it Put your hands together and thank God for his light Number four, they complain, grumble, and murmur against leadership. Complain. Complain about father. Complain about mother. Complain about leadership in church, at home. Complain about political leadership. Complain about everything. Everyone always complaining, murmuring, grumbling over everything, over everyone. It's a sign of lukewarmness. Five, they do not witness they don't share their faith and they don't evangelize. They don't care about anybody. They live with unsaved friends, siblings, loved ones, workers. And they never share their faith. They never take a time to go to their neighbor's house to just break bread, have fellowship, and talk to them about Jesus or the love of God or their faith. They don't have time to talk to anybody about Jesus or about salvation or the coming of the Lord Jesus. It's always about them deals, transactions, and what they can do to make money, money, money. It's all about money. They don't share their faith. When was the last time you shared your faith and the love of God in your heart with others? When was the last time you talked to somebody about the love of God? When was the last time you helped Jesus to rescue somebody? We don't do that. Judges chapter 5, verse 23. Curse mm -hmm. ye mm -hmm. said the angel of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof. Mm -hmm. Because they came not to help, they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. That is the dream. The leader of Salvation Army had. The Lord came and he was in the water. And people were drowning. And he was calling believers, come help. Come help me. Rescue the perishing and the dying. And they won't come. And they will not come. They were busy doing their own thing. Busy trying to survive and live. And there are serious implications for that. He said, curse. Curse twice. Curse. Curse be those who sit at ease in Zion. Those who don't care. Those who live for themselves. And it's all about them and nothing about the Lord and the work of God. Everything we do in this life has no eternal reward or mileage except that which we do for the Lord and his work and his house. Those are the only things that have eternal mileage. The reason why a lot of people are struggling is because it's all about them and it's not about him. But if it is about him, it's about the Lord, then God is under obligation to lucky to kawasatan to Falahan, to Wahasan, to Balikasa, to provide, to make a way, to bless, to increase, to multiply you for the sake of the ministry. Go ahead. 
Number six. Number six. They do not serve in the house of God. They don't serve. They are not committed to anything in the house. They are not part of the home sales. They are not part of any department in the church. They are not part of the 12 tribes. They don't belong to anything. They don't come to all night. They don't come to Wednesday services. They only appear on Sunday. They don't belong anywhere in the church. Why? Because they are the nobles. You know, they have a, arrived. Bishop, give me the scriptures on the nobles I was talking to you about. The nobles. They are the nobles. They are the obontiers. They, 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 they live in their own realm. They, they have a standard in society. And, and they, are, they, are, they are the top guys. And they can't mingle with others, you know. Those who go to the home cells and those who belong to the tribes and the groups in the church are, are, are the strugglers. And they, they don't belong there. All they have to do is to give tithes and offering on Sunday. And that is it. They, they don't have to join the brethren for... He who walks in the light as he is in the light has fellowship with the brethren. If you are really walking in the light, you have humility, you have grace, you have compassion, you will see your need of others, you will fellowship with others. But the reason why you don't fellowship with anybody, you don't belong anywhere in the church is because you are a noble, you are an obontia, you are sitting pretty, you've made it, you don't need anybody, so you don't fellowship with anybody, you are not part of anything, but there come a time in all of our lives when you shall have need of others, please show commitment now, put your hands together and give him praise Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 5 look at Nehemiah 3 5, and next Unto them the Tekoites repaired. Uh -huh. But their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. Their nobles will not put their neck to the work of God. They won't take a risk. They won't make any effort. They won't get involved because they are nobles. They have arrived. They are sitting pretty. They are loaded. Deep pockets. They are the moguls. They are committed. They have connection, influence in town, home and abroad. These are the nobles. So you can't engage them in anything. You try to get them committed to anything, they fight you. How dare you invite me to join the tribes? How dare you invite me to home? You are even afraid to, to talk to them about all night prayer meetings or early morning prayer meeting. Yeah, they, they don't attend early morning prayer meeting. They wake up anytime they want to go to bed anytime. The only time they reach out for help is when they have nightmare and they are in trouble. <clears throat> there come a time when money can't help you. Money is not everything. It's a tool. Money is just a weapon and a tool God has given to you and I to fulfill his purpose. Oh, mesuma alakutaki satafada. Amalakatu wan kusadibalim misalami amafum we sayatukuman we scatter their imaginations overthrow their expectations in the name of Jesus we ground their thoughts Amalaya kuan dismiss their demands and their claims and declare that I am the redeemer of the Lord I'm bought and purchased by the blood of the Lamb Jesus Christ is my Lord if Jesus Christ is your Lord put your hands together and shout it. Number seven. seven, they hold back what is due the house of God and others. They hold back. They have excuses and reason why 
Their voice doesn't belong to the church. Their skills, their time, their resources, everything they see it in the light of self. And they don't commit anything of theirs. To God or to the house of God. It's never about God, country, or the church. It's all about themselves. In all things, they hold back what is due the house of God and others. The tithes, the offering, first fruit, everything, their skill, their time. There's a lot people can do for the house. They'll never do it. I was telling Bishop Boda yesterday, I said, I wish every day was impact. I wish every day was impact in this church. Because it's only in times of impact that you see people come out. Papa, is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can do? And you see them bringing gifts and doing things and everybody wants to do something. And I said to Bishop, can every day be impact in this church? Can you imagine the kind of church we'll have if every day was impact? If we see that same commitment, if we have that same sign and commitment, we see any time when it's impact, oh, what a beautiful church. What a great church. What an exciting church. What a happy church. What a happy people. It's a good place to clap your hands. Give me one more. We'll deal with the others later. Number eight. Mm -hmm. They forsake the assembling together of God's people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are not in fellowship. They are not in fellowship with anybody. It's all about them. They serve God on their own terms. Not on God's terms. On their own terms. But there come a day in all of our life like in Ezekiah. When push comes to shore. When the dust is settled. When water finds its level. And when the curtains are drawn down. When you need him the most. God will look at what you have done for him and his house to determine the extent to which he can help you. Like in Ezekiah, when he was told by the prophet, set your house in order and you're going to die, he turned to the world and said, Lord, look at my works. Remember my works, my sacrifices and all that I've done for your house. And say, Lord, prolong my life. And the Lord said, you can have 15 more years. I've looked at your works. Your deed, your commitment to my house. You are needed. You are needed. May we be needed than ever before. May our services be needed in the house of God than ever before. May we be needed in our time, in our lifetime than ever before. And I pray that the Lord will prolong our days and our years as many generations. Put your hands together. Give him praise. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven. 3615111 Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.